Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from StickerGiant. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stickers on the Mic. Andrew with you here. Very excited, as always, to be dialing in one of our wonderful customers today. It's Chris Barnard from Posterity Starter Works in Makalumi Hill, California. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat about business and stickers. That's right. And, and your business is you produce estate and small batch hard cider. Yeah, correct. We we make hyper local batches of cider um, using apples, pears, and quinces uh, within roughly an hour of where we are in McCullough Hill. And really quick, because I know what an apple is, but what is a quince? Yeah, a quince is part of the same family as apples. They smell lovely, kind of like a pink starburst or a pineapple, perhaps, but they taste horrible raw. And mm. so you have to do a special process called bledding mm. and then process them into delicious things. Some people make them into jam and we use them for cider. Wow. You, you just started a lot of technical things there. So <laughs> how, what is, you know, let's start there because you went right into the technical side of making this. How, what experience do you have doing cider? Yeah. Yeah. So we started making cider, my husband and I about uh, seven years ago now, we bought a house in the Bay Area and uh, we were blessed with having a fruit orchard on our property uh, that was at a hobbyist level. There was about 10 apple trees and three pear trees on that on that property. And the first fall, the, the fruit fell and we realized that uh, we had to do something with it because there's all this fruit. <laughs> and so we first started with making applesauce and realized that was way too much applesauce. We would never eat all of that. And so we started trying other things and that's how we got to cider. Um, and then fast forward about four years, we decided, okay, we're going to take this a little more seriously. We really like making cider as a hobby. And so we bought 10 acres in Calaveras County and planted about two acres of cider trees uh, in particular. So we have um, probably about 40 or 50 varieties of tree um, and they're um, from various parts around the world. Um, And then we also take clippings from wild trees that are in our area that thrive in our unique climate here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we started. And then in the last two months, we actually opened our cidery. Uh, We have a 2000 square foot manufacturing space with a bottle shop and a tasting room attached to it. Mm. Fun. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, Yeah. It sounds like it, especially if you like cider, which, um, the beverage space is kind of one of our focuses right now here. That's kind of why we're talking in a way. Um, and you know, it's, it's very interesting, um, coming up with like, how do you come up with your flavors and, and the, the process, right? Like, so you created a brand, you got a store, you got a, like a workflow, whatever, all those things are now in place. Pretty cool. <laughs> like, so it's not easy, right? That's reduced to no. like a sentence, but like you're doing operations, your husband is doing like the orcharding and the starter making, you're probably doing it together. It's what the website says anyway. But when yep. you're coming with these like flavors, cause there's a lot on the website, right? Like as they become productized, how do you, how, how has that strategically been for you all? 
Yeah. So I think um, there's a couple things. One is as a small business, we're pretty scrappy. So um, about a year ago, we were in the newspaper and we were asking for uh, old abandoned homesteads or wild orchards that have kind of been let go to nature out here. Um, if anyone had one, um, there's a lot of large property parcels out in our area of California that have old homesteads on them and not necessarily they've been maintained. So there's a lot of people who have fruit trees. They have no idea what they are, but they look like apples or look like pears. And um, we actually end up getting about 50 uh, different responses from property owners who said, hey, we've got a weird tree. Will you come check it out? Right. The elements of where those trees are elevation soil if it's watered or not uh and the variety of the fruit those all come into the character of how we make cider right. it's different than most commercial cideries that will buy you know processed juice or they're buying apples that are all irrigated and they're all exactly the same fruit uh we're handpicking all of this out in the middle of this year foothills and then after that uh, making smaller batches. So about 40 gallons is probably a standard batch for us. Um, we make out, we make batches up to about um, three and a half barrels, which is about 150 gallons, but that's it. We don't make anything bigger than that because we really want to have the fruit and where it's come from, come through in the expression of the bottle of cider that we're making. Hmm. Yeah. So it has some terroir, so to speak, right? Like yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, then you, you bottle them up. Like this was the homestead blend number one, sparkling bittersweet cider. Right. And, and then you, you sell them, um, online obviously. And, and you have a point of purchase now in, in like brick and mortar, as you said. Yeah. So we use Shopify as kind of our integrated system for most of our, um, e-commerce and uh, point of sale. Mm. And then we use, um, a tool called Vino shipper, which is, um, uh, more about, uh, interstate shipping. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of legislation and rules about what you can and can ship and can't ship between states. Right. And so um, using a third party tool that kind of uh, does some of that regulation is how we get to ship to places like Oregon or Wisconsin or New York. Um, they all just have their own rules and that tool takes care of it for us. Right. And and that's like, and the, the benefit of that then for you is you have this cider club, right? Where you get, people are signing up from, I presume everywhere. And, yeah. and, and um, you were able to serve that audience without ever, maybe them ever setting foot in California. Correct. Yeah. We have a lot of um, folks that we've actually met through social media um, through just the building of our cidery who are huge supporters. And when we opened up our cider club, it was really impressive just to see where all these people were coming from you know, just shipping cider with our first release to folks in Texas and people in Washington and then getting back photos of it and just seeing these like beautiful landscapes where they're doing similar kind of homesteading projects of their own. Um, But having our cider in the foreground, it was just like, wow, it's so beautiful. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So, you know, obviously it's been a busy few years and I'm sure like the last couple have been tough. I, I, you know, what made you want to open a brick and mortar at this stage of the game? Yeah. So um, it was actually not our first plan. Our first plan was that we were going to sell through like a distributed farmer's market wholesale chain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very challenging though, to find a property that's already 
coded uh, with the county to do wine production, which is technically what cider falls under. It's just, it's very yeah, similar. It's not beer. It's not brewing. It's not brewing. Yes. There's no it's ferment, it's, yeah, it's fermentation. It's fermenting different. Yeah. Products. So yeah, we tell people a lot, like if you've ever seen how a winery makes wine, it's like that roughly, but with apples instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's very hard to find a place that's coded for that. And so, um, we spent a lot of time trying to work with the county to use actually a barn on our property um, right next to our orchard, but it just became kind of complicated. We're on a really long dirt road. So there was all this like fire um, issues and like um, it's in a semi-residential zoned area. So that was complicated too. So we bought this place that's about 30 minutes from our actual farm. That's an, the, the actual tasting room is in McCullamy Hill. And um that place had been used as a, a nano winery production space before and already had um, these kind of additional out, out, they're not built, they're not outbuildings, what would I call them? It already had these additional kind of like outlets on the building. So they had a tasting room and then there was just this kind of like front office space that we've divided into two spaces. So we do have kind of this like shipping, branding, merch, holding area. And then we also have this bottle shop in the front. Um, I think it was pretty ambitious that we decided to have a brick and mortar space um, right off the jump. But we also have just an incredibly local supportive community. And it seemed kind of unfair to only be offering, um, you know, within the farmer's market period or finding these like few select retailers that were correct for like our brand fit so so we decided to do that and like the first day the amount of people who came was just like we were blown away we just really didn't understand how much support there was and how many people were driving past our where our business is and seeing the coming soon sign for you know months as we were fixing up things and getting you know everything bottled and labeled um, so it was really, it's been really incredible and really fun as we're hitting summer since our area is a tourist magnet. Yeah. Right? So I was about to getting- say like you're driving, like that's, you know, you're driving to see your foothills up and down, you know, and that's main street. You're literally on main street. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Like we're, people- we're on two highway intersections, basically like a block off of that. And that right. was literally the only place that we could find that was zoned for what we were going to do. So it was complete like a serendipitous experience that we ended up being where we are. It was, it was, it was like out of desperate need to just get going and like start making cider last fall. Um, you know, apples are only in season for a chunk of the year. So you really have to hit it when the apples are coming in. Um, and it worked out. So it's been yeah. great. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a beautiful spot. Um, so, you know, you have other stuff. You got, you said merch and branding, but I mean, the goal is getting people in there, right? So you have the tasting room reservations. They get a tour. Like what, um, as you try to drive foot traffic, obviously you said the tourism time, this, you got a few months, this is your first opening season, right? So yep. yeah. we'll see how that goes. But what, like <laughs> after you get through this, right? Cause you have to survive your first year as a, you know, in general, um, what, what, what would be after that then? Like from like tours and tre- I don't know, the thing with the trees is very interesting, right? Cause like, it's just such like an exploratory thing in a way too. Yeah. So right now we're tracking that we're going to sell out of cider before the end of the season. So that means that a lot of our focus is going into this next year of ramping up our production. We're hoping to hit about three X what we did this last year. 
and we're going to hire probably two or three more people um, to just help with the processing of that. Cider is a very physical hands-on hands -on experience to mm. create, especially how we make it. And so we just need more able bodies, basically, that can like help us, you know, pick fruit, who can help us wash it, press it, you know, get it in the tanks, clean things. It's just a lot. Wow. Um, it's like 50% of cider making is like cleaning things. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so that's one focus and the other is expanding our wholesale. So, um, we right now are in four locations and we have like maybe four or five more pending, um, retailers. And we're realizing that we're only open two days a week. Um, but these places are open six, seven, you know, days a week. And so they're pushing our cider at a similar pace to us. Um, so that's just continuing to kind of keep this like momentum going of like, okay, we got to just keep moving our feet and stepping forward and finding more of these really interesting local places that we can pick fruit from. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you are growing some, you said that you have your own orchard too, right? Like, yeah. So we, we bought the property without an orchard on it. It was, hmm. um, like a farm at 10 acres. And one day we were just sitting in the car and I looked up and I said to my husband, what if we just plant the orchard here? And he's like, Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Cause I've been thinking the same thing. <laughs> so we, so we started the first year I was eight months pregnant with our first son. And, um, we started digging the holes manually. We didn't have a tractor or anything. So we dug 40 holes and all the trees that we're planting are standard size trees, which is mm. different than, uh, most commercial orchards. They plant usually, uh, high density dwarf trees that are, um, mostly for like quicker turnaround, more fruit yield faster, but they kind of putter out and then you have to rip them out and start again at some point. Oh, wow. Um, but we're doing standard trees. They take about five to seven years to mature and, um, it's going to take, um, a good amount of patience because of that. Yeah. Our yeah, own yeah. Ones. yeah. You want to keep the trees at least in the ground for, you know, like three, four years before you let them have fruit produce on them. They'll try to produce fruit earlier than that, but just for establishing a really nice root base, yeah. you want to take the, all of the fruit off until they're about three, four years old. So last year um, we had maybe like a pound of fruit that we collected because it was the first year that we had had trees in the ground for like three, four years. Yeah. And then that will, that will keep going. Um, the trees will produce a lot of fruit once they're of standard size and um, they'll be about 20 feet tall. If they're not trimmed, um, we'll probably uh, prune them. So they're not that tall though. Cause it's a bit of a, a task to pick fruit. That I was about to say the higher up it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of a sudden then you have to invest in equipment and, and you, you're going to be driving the fields you don't want to do and, you know, like with a cherry pick or whatever. Um, yeah, know, right. You in introduced a possibly injury and all that. Um, so you've learned quite a bit about the science uh, and art of doing this, but like, what did you and your husband before you bought an orchard or whatever, like what were you doing that would even equip me to run a business of this, of this type and, and trying to scale and planning around it. Oh gosh. Um, okay. So I worked in tech, um, mm. for about 10 years. Um, nice. I did mostly content marketing and then branding, um, with like, I'd always, I'd always work at startups. So you kind of end up with like seven or eight extra hats added on. Totally. To you, right? totally. So I had, um, enough, knowledge to be annoying probably to contractors, but not enough knowledge to actually like do it all myself and get really in the nitty gritty. Um, 
And then my husband uh, is just a unique human being. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah. He's done a lot of different things in the in the 10 years that we were working in the Bay Area. You know, yeah. we worked at a robotics company together at one point. Oh, nice. And then he were he was the manager of uh, Half Moon Bay Brew Co., um, which is like a nice. big kind of brewery yeah. restaurant. No, I, I used to have a friend in, in Half Moon Bay, actually. He, he moved yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the, I know the area. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah. So, I mean, because especially with the recent history of our show, it's like so many people with these kind of pandemic pivots are coming up with something in the last couple of years. You kind of were outside of that, right, before yeah. the pandemic. But obviously, the last couple of years have probably caused you to rethink or reshape or, or try to imagine a different life or future or whatever. You you know what I'm saying? And this business was part of that. Yeah. I think it actually spurred from when my son was born, to be honest, we just really realized that we wanted to spend more quality time as a family and we wanted to restructure our lives in a way that we would be together instead of having to, you know, put him in daycare or hire a nanny. And if, and it just wasn't really achievable in the Bay area, just the cost of living there didn't match with what we could bring in from a one income family kind of stance. Um, And so that was, that was the catalyst for us to actually make the jump and give this a go um, seriously. But um, yeah, I mean, the pandemic, I think the pandemic, if anything, just like slowed down some more of the like public facing aspects of like running this company for us. Um, But luckily there was a lot of other stuff that we had to get in place, like infrastructure wise during this time. Totally. Um, A lot of other cider makers that we know, they spent the, you know, two years just making cider like in a silo, in a vacuum, and then storing it, waiting to bottle it once we kind of came out of this experience. And, you know, they're able to now offer that to other people. Um, But yeah, we, I think we were like fortunate that we were kind of in the in-between phase of like trying to build the behind the scenes while a lot of the shutdown was happening. Um, and then build a brand and the thing with the membership and the website. So you talk about branding and, and, and all that platform stuff. Um, so, you know, speaking of marketing and content marketing, I, we connected on Twitter. I think you shouted out Sicker Giant and I immediately was like, let's go, you know, <laughs> let's, let's talk primarily because of the space too. Like whether it's bottling or canning things like beverages are a huge segment for us. Right. I mean, we do a lot of label work uh, and the promotional stickers at the same time for, for those kinds of brands, whether it's beer or seltzer or cider or kombucha you name it right juice uh it's just such a wild you're a wild brand but i mean like it's been a frontier like atmosphere because of uh so many people entrepreneurs trying to get into that you know so like it's it's kind of interesting to see where y'all are at um you know when it comes to that sort of merching and marketing you know that's obviously a little part of what you're doing on your site right and in the store i assume too right yep nice um well, let's see here. So I, I was getting at too, like when I was saying, like getting people in the, into the place, I was wondering, um, like with tourism too, like, are people interested in like seeing the trees? I mean, I guess I'm really fascinated by the trees myself personally. So, so it's funny. Cause we, you know, in this kind of pandemic space, we were still running an Airbnb on our oh, farm. Nice. So on our farm, we have this little tiny house that's like right next to the barn and you can see the orchard and, you know, we're telling people like, we have these little baby trees and, and they're like, oh, where's the orchard? Like they can't see it. Cause they're like these little sticks that are you know, trying to survive in the summer heat. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot, a lot of people that 
really love the storytelling behind like these places. Cause a lot of them, it's like an hour out in the cuts on a dirt road that like you would turn around well before you got to this like place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Canyon will like open up and there's this beautiful homestead mm-hmm. with all these old trees and they're making, you know, they have their own beef arrangement that they have with their neighbor and they grow X, Y, and Z that they sell or they trade. And like, it's just such a fascinating like expanse of how you'd think about how people live because like Mm -hmm. they live so far away from a grocery store that they figured out like how to diversify and make their own kind of trade economy within their, within their group. So it's really neat and to be able to share, you know, like, Oh yeah, we went to this place and we met these people and they do all these really interesting things that you wouldn't experience if you live in a city or if you, you know, don't have a holding of a hundred acres out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And and now I see what you're saying about the story too, because it actually goes into the product, like this King Grandma bittersweet sparkling cider, or whatever. Yep. It's all about this hundred year old tree stand and mountain ranch, and like you know, folks, you go to the website, it's plusdirtyciderworks.com. You can read all about all of them, but that then comes into like every single transaction or experience that you have with with your audience, which is pretty cool, I think. Um, yeah. So. Um, you have plans to grow. You got the people coming in. The summer's going to be big. You're going to run out of, you're going to have that good problem or you won't have anything to sell by August probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, <laughs> we, we've kind of locked in what we've got for summer and then we've got some fall releases. We're really trying to like pace some mm-hmm. of that. Um, so we just released an elderberry sparkling rosé. We've released golden hour, which is, um, an apple, a sparkling apple that has, um, a little bit of raspberry in it. It's not a leading like hot pink kind of thing going on, but it's got a really nice nose where you can Mm. smell the raspberry. And then it kind of like lingers in that raspberry space, but it's pretty apple forward. And then, uh, and then we've got some smaller stuff that we only ship within California. That's in 22 ounces that are more Mm. those story driven, Mm. um, varietals. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And they all look so delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, when you read about, you know, when you read about drinks and like, again, the story's fun. And anyway, um, well, very cool. And, you know, uh, kudos to you all for, for doing that and making it happen, you know, and um, thank you for, uh, for, for reaching out to us in the way that you did. We, we love that. You know, it's like the best part is when customers connect with us and, and we can share that story too. So we, we really do appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. We really love working with you guys. You know, it's, it's, really nice to be able to find a, a brand that can do labels. One that can be removed. Mm. Um, we, we recycle our bottles. It's like a huge issue right now is, is you can't get the bottles or the cans. <laughs> yeah. You can't. You can't. And it's crazy. You know, we're paying, if I'm, if I'm ordering 2000 bottles, I'm paying 50% of the cost of what I'm paying is the shipping to get it there. Mm. So if I can keep my bottles local and recycle them, that's what I want to do. Mm. And a lot of labels, if you've ever tried to take a label off something, it's, no, it's it painful stuck on everything, but, yeah. but your labels are so easy to peel off of our bottles. When we get them back, um, it makes it a lot easier to reuse them. Mm. And then, you know, we're so small batch. And the fact that I can order 125 labels, custom cut and get them in, you know, three, four days and rock it out. Like, that's so much easier for us. You know, we've, we looked at a lot of labeling options, a lot of papers, adhesives, uh, shipping time, and just the delays to just get these things is painful when you're a small business owner. So we really appreciate having you guys in our, 
back pocket for when we get our graphics back. We're like, oh, good. Put it in. We're good to go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, that is amazing. And we'll be following. Um, and, you know, best of luck this summer, of course. And uh, we look forward to uh, checking in maybe next year and seeing how things are going. Huh? Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. It was awesome to chat. Yes. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy your Memorial Day, especially everybody out there in podcast land. It is we're hitting up against Memorial Day right now. So find your favorite beverage of whatever it is, but perhaps it would be Posterity Cider Works. So, um, you know, you can find them again on PosterityCiderWorks.com. You hit all the socials there. And Chris, of course, we want everyone to sign up for the uh, for the membership and, and start getting those bottles sent to them if possible, right? So. Yeah, that's how you get the most rare stuff we make. <laughs> that's cool. All right, folks, uh, we say every sticker has a story. This one is coming to us from Calaveras County, California. Chris Barnard and Posterity Works. We'll see you next time. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to StickerGiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.